Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. TheChairShot.com TheChairShot.com Always Always Use your head. You are now listening to ChairShot Radio. Always use your head. What's up with you, man? Uh, just chilling over here, man. What's up with you guys? Ah, can't complain. About the same. <laughs> yeah, the, the the weather's pretty shitty here. It's raining all day, so. Where are you at exactly you know, over there on the east coast? I'm uh, right out right outside of Orlando. Oh, getting a nice spell of yeah. rain, huh? Yeah, I'll, I'll take this over snow though any day. So. I was I was gonna I was gonna tell you, man. This morning I woke up to a nice snow covered uh, driveway. A little bit of you know just a little dusting, but yeah, like 19 degrees. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, used to, I used to live in New York, so I know all about it. Oh God! Thank God you're not there yeah. right now, man. With the, all those damn yeah. storms they begin. Holy cow! Yeah, you ain't lying. <laughs> no, I feel you. I grew up in Cleveland, so yeah, I don't do that snow anymore either, man. I'm too light in the ass and, and too old to have to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got it got to a point where it's it, it's it's fun to look at, but it's not fun to drive in or be in or anything like that. So. Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted to at least start talking about with you know the family that you're that you're part of here, and uh, what like just growing up. I mean, you basically kind of had to be in the business, right? I mean, you didn't really have a choice, you know, growing up that way, right? How, how, how exactly does that work, man? Like, is it you, you get out the womb and then by day two they just throw you in a ring and you have at it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, like being exposed to it I, I, as a kid, and you know, like I always think that I'm I was pretty lucky growing up because you know it's it's one thing watching it on TV and stuff like that, but um, it's it's another thing like being able to travel like with my uncle at the time, for example. Um, I want to say my first memories where I can start remembering stuff was like when when like the first Raws Monday Night Raws happened. And uh, my uncle was, if you remember, he was a manager there for the head shrinkers. Yes. Um, so, uh, and I've always been very close to my uncle. So whatever he was doing, I would try to do and tag along with him. And I want to say I was around four, uh, three, four, five years old at this point. And, you know, he's taking me, you know, into the back. And, you know, I got pictures with all these guys to this day, you know, guys like Shawn Michaels and Mr. Perfect and, uh, Razor Ramon, you know, some of the guys that ended up, you know, becoming some of the best. Um, so, you know, when you're exposed to it as a kid that early and, you know, you're, you're seeing so much stuff and, um, and then eventually my uncle, you know, when he departed from the WWE, 
he opened up shop with his training school and his eventually his own company as well. So I got to see that side of it too. You know, you know, not only did I get to go on the road with him <clears throat> WWE wise, but now I was able to be in a ring uh, pretty much anytime I wanted, you know, anytime I was rolling with him. So, you know, all that stuff building up as a kid, you know, I just, you know, became more and more in love with it. So, you know, when I was, when I was uh, of age, you know, there was no doubt that, you know, that's what I was going to keep doing. And that's kind of, I was going to say, that's kind of how you rolled into it with you. I mean, your uncle trained you as well in the business yeah. when you started wrestling. So that's kind of, you just rolled right in and kept following him and right with his training academy, huh? Yeah. You know, that was, that, that's, that was, it was, pretty, it was pretty normal for me at the time. Cause I would, you know, like you had to be 14 years old to legally start, you know, doing it for real, I guess. But, you know, obviously as a kid, you know, I was in there, uh, jumping off the top rope when I was, I don't know, six, seven years old, you know, um, all the way up, but then 14 years old hit and, you know, you start taking a little bit more serious. That's when I actually started learning how to bump and run the ropes and, uh, really learn my basics and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> 14 years old and I was a pretty skinny kid growing up you know I, I still consider myself kind of you know so small now especially in a in a big man sport like wrestling but um you know back then I was even you know skinnier and smaller so every bump I remember just just killed me and I, I remember thinking like damn you know am I ever going to get is my body ever going to get used to this stuff man because you know, it could be intimidating at first, and and that's and that's me saying that even being in the ring all my life, you know, at this point. Um, but, but you know, you, you start getting older, and you know, the bumps become the norm, and uh, you just keep going. And uh, at the time, this was, you know, this all went down in Pennsylvania. So I spent about four years training from 14 to 18, and then when I was 18, I was able to, you know, work anywhere and. And that's when yeah, that's when I really got started. Uh, so now your oh, I was your gonna, uncle is oh, pardon me. Your uncle is Alpha of the Wild Samoans. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Okay, I, I apologize, DP. Go, go ahead. Oh man. no, that's fine. I was just gonna make a make a joke about that. Talk about a, a being a small kid and in, in a big man sport. It's just, you're a small kid in a big family too. I mean, you got to be like the smallest one of that group, probably. I mean, those are some, yeah. You got some big boys in that yeah. family. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I something I've always had to deal with, you know, no matter no matter what diets I you know, I've been on and all this bulking stuff, you know, I've only gotten to a certain point. But um, you know, it's almost like my size ended up helping me in, in the end, uh, because I was considered a you know, a cruiserweight, you know, coming into the you know, this whole world of the WWE and uh I was you know, it's almost like it was meant to be, you know. So growing up in the world famous Samoan dynasty, it's quite frankly, it's the, the most well-known and accomplished family in the entire genre of pro wrestling. I got to imagine something like that can be a, a gift, but it also kind of, I, I, I imagine it could be a gift and a curse at the same time. Uh, yeah, because, you know, when you look at the family, man, it's like who hasn't been, who hasn't reached a certain you know amount of success? Um, you know, obviously you can look at The Rock as, as being the biggest one because, you know, not only did he, you know, do his thing in the ring, but now he's popping movies out left and right. And, you know, he's on he's on a whole nother level. 
Um, but you know, you you know, you got uh, you know my cousins Roman and the Usos holding it down now. Uh, it, it's always been for me. It's always been motivating to see. It, there's always been somebody from the family representing the company um, at, at all times. You know, whether it's uh, Rikishi, uh, you know, like Rikishi and Samu, you know, the head shrinkers, and you know, and then you you know you got later on you got Umaga, you know what I mean, and uh, of course Yokozuna, um, you know Matt Rosie, uh, rest in peace to him. Uh, you know, Alpha Jr., my cousin Manu, who was in uh, the whole legacy thing with Randy Orton. Uh, there's been eras uh, from the Samoan dynasty for, you know, since the beginning of time now. And, um, you know, I always wanted to be a part of that. It was always very motivating for me to see. Um, so at the end of the day, you can look at the pressure, you know, because you want to be successful like these guys. But for me, you know, the pressure I put on myself is all self-made. You know, I got my own goals, you know, that I that I try to reach. Um, so, if anything, it, it's a motivating thing to, you know, want to join them and, uh, you know, do a, do a lot of cool things like, like they were able to do. Now, speaking of your, your uncle, Afa, and, and Sean, if you don't want to answer this, we'll just edit it out. But is it true that he served as Vince's bodyguard back in the day when he was out clubbing? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. I mean, if he, if he, he, he's, I got a, you know, he's, he's told me a lot of stories, but if I ever heard that one, I would have no problem, you know, telling it, but no, that's, that's the first I heard of that actually. That'd be very you know? interesting. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I would, I would, I would take my uncle as a bodyguard if I'm going out, you know, especially back in the day. Oh, yeah, Sean, I would take any of you all as my bodyguard if I'm going out <laughs> right now, including your uncle right now. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, Uncle Alpha and Sika, man, were some savages back in the day, you know. Uh, you know, that was a time when the believability factor was there, and, you know, people didn't really know how wrestling worked back then. So it, that just played in their, you know, in their hand, you know, so well. And, they were able to, you know, create, you know, some 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 really good stuff back in the day because of that. So we mentioned uh, a little bit ago, like how like being in that family can be a blessing and a curse. You know, what do you what do you feel about the business today as well? You know, being that is is the whole social media thing and the fact that that more people can understand the business and know what's going on backstage is that you know, and you being around the business for so long, you've seen it all the way up until now. Do you feel like this is more of a blessing or more of a curse that more fans and more people can know what's going on with you guys? Oh man, uh, I guess it's you know I, I would I would like to pick a side. I, I guess it's a little bit of both, but um, I think it's harder on the performers now because you know you want as a performer you want people to buy into everything you're doing and, and you know and and um, just relate to the person that you're trying to portray. And, you know, sometimes, you know, things are so exposed that it's hard to even do that. You know, you see, you're seeing now a lot of real life, you know, whether it's like real life drama, you know, going on, you can see a storyline being made of that now. And, you know, you can see storylines being formed on Twitter. Um, it's a whole different world now, but 
I think it's a little bit harder on the performer, but it's also it forces you to be it forces you to stay creative. It forces you to stay relevant and and put out something that's um, you know that 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 people can can relate to and get behind. Um, you know, as as you guys probably know, you know, wrestling is kind of in the middle of a boom period right now. So it actually is a really good time to uh, be a wrestler and a fan. Um, you know, I don't know how today's numbers relate to the past numbers. I'm sure, you know, a lot more people overall were watching wrestling back then. But I think wrestling's in good hands, man. And, um, you know, this, over the years, especially the last four or five years, you know, there's, there's, there's been so much complaining going on. And I don't think you can really complain anymore with the level of talent that the guys are working, the guys and girls are working at and the amount of signings that, you know, the WWE is giving you. Um, so I think it's a pretty cool time to be a wrestler. Um, I guess it's got its, you know, pros and cons as, as far as that goes. Yeah, it's definitely probably a great time just to be able to get your name out there a lot easier than it was back in the day. And, you know, there, like you said, not only WWE, but there's so many other brands and all the independent shows that are out there. There's some amazing talent everywhere. And it's it's just, you can go, you know, I know for us, like right in my backyard, there's just a ton of different promotions that have some great talent that we've gone and seen. And, you know, it's it's just amazing the the amount of options that are out there right now for wrestlers like yourself yeah yeah without a doubt and, and that's that's even internationally um pretty much all all across the board you know and, and that's where you know we mentioned social media you know that's where you know things like streaming devices you know um you know it, it's it's perfect for wrestling you know it's it's a way to get out there in ways that you never have before. So I think all that is, is obviously good stuff. I agree totally, Sean. And I always like to compare pro wrestling to hip-hop, where you can make the argument it's not what it used to be. And, yeah, there's there's a lot of bad out there, but there's so much good out there. And like you just said, through the streaming services, and, and there's so many outlets for us to get access to so many different things, man. I mean, like, for example – in the you know in the eighties and the nineties, if you wanted to watch a New Japan match, you had to get down with the underground tape trade circuit, man, and that yeah. was like pull a tape trying to yeah. find the New Japan tapes. And now you just pay a couple bucks a month, and you can you have access to everything. Yeah, yeah, it's unreal. I, I got I got like a million WWE DVDs that I've I've bought you know across you know throughout the years, and that they're all just sitting there now because I just got to put on my Xbox and put on the network. And everything I've ever bought is pretty much <laughs> is pretty much all there now. So it's it's cool for everybody. Like it's cool for the fans because you know there's a lot of nostalgia with wrestling. You know, people people want to constantly relive uh, the old times in wrestling. I think more than like maybe any other field or or sport or anything. It's crazy. Um, but it's also good for the wrestlers. You know, if you're a big uh, studier like me of of you know studying the greats and how they do it you know how they did it and you know uh i mean that that's that's all easy access now you know i can i can look up anybody i want and you know just do my thing and do my studying you know it's it's great for everybody you know you made a really good point actually that more people go back and watch 
old wrestling events than they do other sporting events. Because it just made me think, like, oh, I've watched, I've went back and watched WrestleMania four, you know, a hundred times. How many times have I gone back to watch the 1996 NBA Finals and Michael Jordan beating the Phoenix Suns? Never. Yeah. Well, D- DP, I have to interrupt you there, bro, because being a Clevelander, I-, I do occasionally go back and watch Game 7 of the 2016 NBA Finals. I- oh, I'm not boy. even going to lie to oh, you about boy. that. Well, that's because you guys <laughs> haven't been champions for how long? <laughs> exactly, and we probably won't be again for my lifetime. So, you know, <laughs> got to celebrate the accomplishment, baby. <laughs> Uh, well, crazy. at least you guys. At least you guys ain't a Knicks fan, so uh, I, I, I choose Ooh. not to comment on this matter. Ooh. You know, hey, you guys made you guys made a couple NBA Finals when Michael Jordan decided to you know, quit for two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a dumpster fire right now, though, man. Y'all need to oh, find yeah. some way to get Dolan to sell the team. I don't know how. Maybe you send your uncle up to Madison Square Garden, man, and y'all they can work something <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. And they, they need something, man. It's, it's New York, man. Give them something good, man. It's, it's New York, you know. Not something embarrassing. Yeah, they've been they've been too bad for too long. That's that's one of those teams that needs to turn it around quick. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your uh, WXW, where you kind of got your start. And... Back in Pennsylvania, when I was living up there. I, actually, I, I never lived in Pennsylvania. I, I've always lived in Staten Island, New York. Uh, for those listening that don't really know that. Um, and I, I just basically commuted to Pennsylvania a lot to do my training, and uh, that's where the majority of my shows were. So, um, you know, I was 18, and I started working. Um, but it was only for a couple of years for, for, until my uncle decided to close up shop, or at least on his end, and he was planning to retire and move down to Florida. <clears throat> which was uh, going to be a big change because, uh, you know, I really leaned on him a lot, especially at, at that time um, as far as my training goes. And, uh, you know, I was very comfortable. Um, he put me in comfortable scenarios uh, working the shows uh, until I got comfortable. So it, it really sucked that he was going to be gone. Um, so he ended up moving and, uh, just like a lot of people uh, say they're going to retire and then they don't, or they're, they're giving, they're going to give something up and they don't. Uh, it was, it was all, but probably a month until somebody got in his ear down here and he opened up shop. He opened up WXW down here, uh, the school and, and uh, I'm sorry, the, yeah, the school and also the company running shows now. So, so that's the that Wild was cool and Wrestling Academy. Um, they were actually, What's that? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, they were actually doing some pretty cool stuff down here. They were working with F- FCW, doing some run-ins um, back and forth. Um, FCW had ran in a building where WXW was running at the time, and it ended up turning into a shoot. And uh, it was like a little, you know, there was a little beef there. Um, and, you know, WXW was looking like a cool place to be. And I'm over here in New York, and, uh, you know, uh, this is when Alpha Jr., uh, Alpha Jr. Manu, uh, he first got back on the Indies after he left the WWE. So me and him started tag teaming a lot. And that was cool because, you know, I was really going on the road with, you know, a lot of cool places he was going to, you know, to at the time. Um, 
you know, I was getting to see a lot of things, getting, you know, getting some good experience, but I don't know, something in me just like was still missing my uncle and I just wanted to keep learning from him. I felt like there was, you know, some unfinished, uh, business there, you know? Um, so I just decided to, to make that move to Florida and follow him down. You know, he had a school, uh, he had a company, you know, I was good. So I've been doing that off and on now since 2010. And, uh, you know, it's the number one place where I've been able to learn and grow over the years, for sure. Um, the thing I really enjoy about my uncle's company is uh, the emphasis that he puts on things like cutting promos every week and things like uh, running angles and storylines. Uh, you know, a lot of indies, because um, of the talent they use or whatever, and because, it, you know, people are always on different schedules. A lot of indies, you know, it's basically people are just throwing matches together. You know, maybe matches people want to see, but it's matches thrown together. My uncle was very big on storylines and feuds and bringing things back. You know, it's, it's almost like WXW. I, I always consider it like a small territory uh, down here. You know, we've had our up and down draws, but uh, it's like a territory. And it's, it's a really good uh, breeding ground for the students you know, the, the students that join the Wild Samoan Training Center, they put in their few months, they graduate. Now they have a company immediately to, uh, you know, to keep working for and, uh, you know, to gain that experience in front of the crowd now. Um, so, you know, that's what I've been doing. And, you know, since since I've been training so long with my uncle at this point, he actually made me a trainer a few years ago. So I'm one of the head trainers there now. And, uh, you know, I'm just giving back to the, to, you know, at this point to the younger guys, um, you know, that a couple, a couple of days a week, I'll go down to the training center and, you know, getting in there with everybody and it, it keeps me sharp. And, you know, I'm also, you know, doing something good and helping them out. So, um, you know, the wild Samoan training center, you know, that's why I, I just, I just, I just felt like I, kept, I needed to keep training with my uncle. And that's ultimately, uh, you know, what I did. And, um, you know, as, as I'm working for WXW the, over the years, I started having tryouts. You know, I started going to the WWE, you know, frequently. And, uh, you know, built myself up enough to, uh, you know, finally reach an opportunity, a really good opportunity with the Cruiserweight Classic. And, uh, you know, that's all because of the experience that, you know, that I've gained through WXW uh, and the Wild Samoan uh, Training Center. Uh, so what is your what is it still in the business that you personally want to co- accomplish? What are some of your goals? Uh, well, as far as the WWE goes, you know, I haven't even started there. Um, you know, the Cruiserweight Classic was a great, a, a great first match to have uh, with the company. You know, I've, I've had tryouts now since 2011. And, uh, you know, I was never really thrown in a scenario you know, where I had to, you know, work with maybe um, maybe a 30-second or, you know, a minute-long gig, you know, working somebody like that. You know, the Cruiserweight Classic was my first official match with them. And, um, you know, I couldn't have been happier with, with that. Um, you know, I've gotten to do a lot of, you know, some cool things in NXT and 205 ever since then. And I'm definitely going to keep the ball rolling with that. Um 
you know, you definitely haven't seen the last of me as far as the WWE goes. Um, so, that's, you know, that's obviously the main goal that we have in this business. Um, you know, that's where you want to be. Um, it's, you know, some people would, would say Japan. Um, some people... Some people actually, you know, do it as a hobby. But if, you know, for the most part, you know, you want to be in the WWE. Um, but I, I do have other goals as far as, you know, uh, if if that wasn't the case, you know, I would love to perform uh, in Japan um, in some aspect. Uh, it, just because it's it's been such a, a such an influence on my style uh, growing up. Um, uh, you know, I have a... I have a little bit of a Taekwondo karate background, so that's where my love for all the strikes, you know, came through. But it's also of all the, you know, the influence of the Japanese wrestling I've watched over the years. Um, so uh, to be able to wrestle in Japan one day, you know, that would be pretty cool. Um, you know, I've, I've already got to tangle with a couple of um, some of the best Japanese wrestlers of all time, such as Ibushi and Kenta. So, um, you know, I would love to, you know, experience some of some of that, you know, more. I certainly. It's like funny you say that, Sean, because that's when I first got introduced to you. Was uh, you had a damn fine match with Ibushi in the uh, Cruiserweight Classic. So, fans, if you haven't seen it, go out of your way to watch it, man. Really. Yeah, that was absolutely an amazing match. I that's I actually wanted to bring that up. You got an opportunity to get in there with uh, Kota Ibushi and what was I mean, what was that experience like just being able to to get in the ring for the first time in a WWE setting and be able to put on a match like that in front of that crowd? Uh, you know, just uh moments that you dream about, you know. Uh it was my first uh first time where they where they gave me the ball and, and said you know it's, this is this is what's going on and uh at, you know at, at the, uh, during those moments you just have to seize it uh you have to be prepared um and actually the i didn't i didn't even know i was going to wrestle kota bushi till probably two days before oh, wow. <clears throat> so it's not a whole lot of time to get you know, prepared for one of the best in the world. But, uh, you know, I was at the same time, I was at the Cruiserweight Classic for a reason too, you know, and because I was one of 32 of the best in the world, of the best Cruiserweights. Um, so I was definitely up for the task. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, this is my first, this is my first introduction. Um, you know, during the week, um, I'm, I'm having really, really cool interactions with Triple H. I'm having um, interactions with, you know, all of their uh, all of their coaches like Matt Bloom, um, of course William Regal. If, if I can, if I can backtrack, actually William Regal was um, probably the you know the the, the reason why I, I had this opportunity uh, to be in the Cruiserweight Classic. Um, because he's he's been so instrumental with the tryout process over the years, um, he's he's helped me grow uh, just as much as anybody during my whole tryout process, and you know leading me to the classic. Um, so I really think that he thought I was going to be good for this opportunity. So I wanted to make him proud too. Um, I wanted to make my uncle proud, um, who also helped me, you know, 
you know, receive this opportunity. But at the end of the day, you know, when you're in the ring, you know, you got to perform and, that, and that's you and only you. Um, you can have the best recommendations in the world, but you got to deliver. And I think that night we did. Um, the reaction was pretty cool afterwards. Um, it was just, I just remember it feeling surreal at the time, you know. Uh, Abushi, uh, just just a phenomenal talent, man. Just you can see he's still going strong, and um, I was kind of unaware that he had, you know, like a pretty serious neck surgery, uh, you know, somewhat before the classic and things like that. Um, but he was really great to work with. Um, I couldn't ask for anything more, and it's, you know. I put I put over that whole first match thing because I, I just think it's a really cool cool way to have a first match in the company. Um, we were the main event of the first episode, you know, of the Cruiserweight Classic, and the Classic, you know, proved to be so successful that uh, they announced, you know, the, the entire division was going to be coming to Raw, you know, soon after. Um, so that was pretty cool too. Uh, <clears throat> just nothing but just not, not nothing but good times and uh and good memories um from the cruiserweight classic that certainly spawned off you know all these other tournaments that they that they started going with with the uk and everything and you know it all really stemmed from that cruiserweight tournament which was absolutely amazing you guys put on just an incredible show and you know it's it's awesome to see you continue you know you get some get some matches in nxt like you said in 205 live I'm, I'm sure it helps that you're they're not too far away being in Orlando there that you can you know make the short trip to get to the to the NXT center huh yeah yeah that that's that's been pretty uh beneficial um you know there's there's been times where I've actually gotten called like the day of um you know to to make an opportunity which I did um and also I've had a lot of um my my opponents my opponent selection there has been really cool because you know these are some of the best in the world you know guys like Bobby Roode uh, Drew McIntyre um, Hideo Itami of course um, uh, I got in there with Patrick Clark um, and then also on you know on 205 Live with guys like Tajiri and Brian you know Brian Kendrick wrestling these guys only brings me up and only it only elevates me and you know I, I learn something and I take something from every single match that I have with those guys um, it's, it's just been really cool to not only have matches in the WWE but have matches against you know some of these <clears throat> some of these guys that I named uh, so that that's the cool part too it seems like Orlando right now at least in this country is the mecca of pro wrestling so you have Orlando and then when when you stop doing it, you retire and move to Arizona. That seems like the the pro wrestler trajectory in the United States right now. <laughs> right. So uh, well, we're... I mean, uh, well, Orlando, you know, you had TNA here for for a while, for the longest time, and then um, you know NXT kind of just took over. Um, you know, and now you got some companies uh, coming up here and there, but yeah, you know for a while you know I, I a lot of talent were was moving here but you know sometimes it's it's not the way it's not always the smart way to go you know um you, you know wherever you you're at just just do your thing there and you know 
you, you know, keep keep working, and you'll probably have that opportunity anyways. You know, sometimes, and you know, you come down to Florida, it's it's not always what people think. <clears throat> but for the fans, it's been pretty cool. You know, like wrestling at wrestling in the in the full sale university atmosphere. Uh, that's always pretty cool. Yeah, the, sometimes those those smaller venues seem to bring out just more excitement from the crowd and, and more from you know the the superstars as well. Sometimes when you see these big arenas, some of the, sometimes the events just don't pan out to be that great. But when you get in that smaller venue, I, I don't know. Just the the atmosphere sometimes is just more electric. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So what? I think. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I just think the uh, like full sale was the, the perfect setting for the classic at the time, you know. And you can, you know, the reactions were, you know, were, were clear as day. We're on two oh five, you know. Sometimes uh, because of the the timing and you know SmackDown being before, you know, you don't get those same reactions. So that's that's pretty important, you know. How how things are seen on the network is pretty important, you know. Sometimes you can watch a great match, but if it's almost like when you're sitting at home, you know, you want, you, you almost, you almost want the crowd to be into it too, because that makes you into it. You know, if they're just sitting on their hands and you're just seeing a great match. It's, it might not be as exciting as, as it could be. You know what I'm saying? That's funny that you brought that up, man, because I was down in new Orleans for the mania WrestleMania festivities this past week. And I was there at the actual event and typically what my lady and do, what, what we do is we, we go to the event and then we fly back that Monday or Tuesday and then we hang out and we watch it on television just to kind of get the the television perspective as opposed to the live perspective. And your, your cousin, by the way, the, the main event of the show, him versus Brock Lesnar, that was a damn good match, man. They beat the holy hell out of each other. But in the arena, it was very hard to get into because the fans, I, I don't know what the fans were on. I don't know if they were tired or, or whatever the case was. But watching it on television, it, it kind of goes to what you were saying. It was a damn fine match. But because the crowd wasn't into it, it there was something missing. Like, it was palatable. It, it took something away from what was going on in there. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're exactly right. It's, it's kind of a weird thing, you know, because it's, for it to be a really good match, it's almost like the crowd has to be there. It's, it's in certain aspects, um, and you know sometimes it could, it, it you know it could also be the reverse way. I heard where it sounds like it's nothing on TV, but it's really loud in there and live. So uh, it's interesting. That's how it was in New Orleans because I know I was texting with with these guys back and forth in the Chairshot family, and they were saying how the crowd came across as dead on television. But no, it it was lively in the building. Uh, we kind of petered right. out there somewhere around like hour thirteen of the show, which is understandable. <laughs> but but the but the crowd was lively, and even during the main event, the crowd was live, but they just totally weren't paying attention to the match, which it frustrated me because I'm I'm a fan of both guys, and I, I knew it was going to be a good match going in, and I, I kind of felt bad for the performers too because, actually, as a matter of fact, Sean, talk a little bit about this man because I, I think that the crowd. The, like you said, the crowd has to be invested in the match, and it's cool for the crowd to to voice their opinion and to be vocal. But at some a certain point in time, it sometimes seems like the crowd is trying to become the stars of the show, and that takes away from the whole experience instead of just sitting back and watching the matches and being entertained. Yeah, it's uh, 
that's just something that's developed, I guess, over the last few months, few years, or whatever. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, it's just something that you got to deal with, I guess. You know, you can't you can't say you can't turn around as a performer and and shit on the fans now um, because that's not good business to say that. You know what I mean? But at the same time, as a performer, you also you're busting ass in there. You're putting your life on the line. You know, at least at least have the decency to to you know show some respect or or, or chant something that relates to the match. You know, of course you want that as a performer, but you know the the fans have a you know it, it is what it is now. It's um, it's no different than you know doing that at a, at a at, in sports or at a concert or something like that. I guess wrestling, it's a little bit more, you know, glorified or whatever. Uh, and they got, you know, they got a wide range of chants there. So uh, I guess it's just something you got to deal with ultimately. You know, of course you want people to, to be invested in what you're doing and, and only that. But, you know, that's sometimes it's not the case anymore. And it could be, and, 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 and you've seen on Raw and stuff, it could be really frustrating. I, I remember uh, I remember Cesaro got so pissed off he went in the crowd and uh, and destroyed that beach ball. You guys remember that? Yep. Oh yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> and I don't know yeah, where this so beach you, ball shit came from anyway, know, man. Because they 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 were doing that in New Orleans as well. And you know I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but it legitimately <laughs> pissed me off, man. Because again, these guys it's the main event of the biggest show of the year. They're going out there busting their asses. Your your cousin gets busted open. Like they're doing everything they can to possibly entertain you. And as a crowd, you don't even want to give the match an opportunity. Before the match even started, you had already decided in your heads that you just weren't here for it. And that that it frustrated me. And I'm not even I don't have a dog in the fight. And it pissed me off just as a fan. Yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, it's just one of those things, I guess, is not, you know, there's no way around it. There's always going to be that select few that, you know, want to get over themselves. You know what I mean? So, so since we are on the heels of WrestleMania weekend, besides uh, Roman Reigns and the Usos, there, you know, what did you have a favorite part of the weekend at all that that you enjoyed the most? Um, I actually wasn't there this week, uh, uh, this time around. Um, but um, as far as uh, the weekend goes, I, I I still saw all all three events as far as. Uh, the Hall of Fame, NXT, and um, and WrestleMania went. I thought first and foremost NXT was was pretty damn good as it usually is, um, especially the main event. Man, uh, Gargano and Champa. Uh, big shout out to those guys. I first met them at the Cruiserweight Classic, which was actually the first time that they, you know, wrestled NXT together. Um, a lot of people forget about that one. Of course the. The storylines were different back then and stuff, but anyway, I thought that was a that was great drama, just just an all around great match. Um, and then from WrestleMania, you know, um, uh, definitely Charlotte and Oscar was great, and I really enjoyed that. I, I thought WrestleMania the overall was great. Um, you know, uh, almost every match was uh, was pretty intriguing, and there was something to get into, uh, and that's all you could ask for. Um, you know, it's another. It was another long show. You know, I was there last year in Orlando, so you know, just sitting there, even us sitting there, you know, sometimes it could it could seem like forever, man. But um, it's WrestleMania, and 
there's probably no going back now. You know, you can expect WrestleMania to probably probably be this long every year, but um, as long as they produce like they did this time, um, you know, it'll be fine. Uh, uh, what was the other match I really enjoyed? Uh, I thought Ronda did her thing after all the, you know, the criticism uh, throughout the weeks and stuff. Uh, I also really liked... Um, you know, anytime you can see The Undertaker uh, come back in and provide us with another special WrestleMania moment and entrance and all that good stuff, I think that's always uh, it's always a good thing, <clears throat> especially for the WrestleMania brand. And um, definitely, um, d- definitely the whole Daniel Bryan, uh, the whole Daniel Bryan match, uh, even though he was out of it, you know, just. Just seeing him make a comeback, man, and, and do his thing, just like he, just like he, uh, just like we all love him uh, and know him to do. It was, it's just really cool to see, you know, somebody that was, you know, told no and and and, and forced to retire, and um, you know, just just keep fighting, and you know, just to find another way. I thought that that whole story was pretty cool, and. It's just, it's always, it always makes you feel good just seeing him uh, wrestle in there. And uh, just just a quick side thing with him. Um, I met him for the first time at the Cruiserweight Classic. He was the commentator, uh, him and Morrow. So uh, big shout out to him. Uh, got to talk to him, you know, here and there during that whole week of the Classic. And um, he was just a really, really, really fun and really cool to talk to. So I'm happy for him. It really is a very inspiring story, just the whole Je- Daniel Bryan story. And he really does seem like a genuinely decent dude. And you root for people like that in all walks of life. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, he definitely he definitely deserved it. He definitely deserved to, you know, to be back. And, you know, it's hard, man. You know, I can only imagine, you know, because, you know, wrestling is also my life, too. You know, that's it's the only thing I know. Uh, it's the only thing I wanted to really be involved in. You know, I've had a couple of interests along the way, but nothing ever compared to wrestling. So, you know, unfortunately, the injury side of things, it's, you know, it's never, nothing is ever a guarantee. You're not as as safe as if you were an actor or something like that. Um, You know, injuries um, can literally derail people in, and cheat, you know, cheat people out of greatness. So to see him overcome that, you know, and, and you know, come back and produce more greatness, uh, that's a good thing. Sean, as a, a basically, like you said yourself, you've been doing this your entire life. At this point in the game, do you ever wake up and are not sore? Like, is or is there just something constantly hurting and you just kind of... Obviously, I know your bloodlines, you're tough as a $2 steak. Shout out to Jim Ross. But do you ever wake up where there's no pain whatsoever and, you know, you can just kind of trollop through your day? Uh, um, I mean, there's, there's pain, but it's, you know, it's not like, um, you know, I, I haven't I haven't been doing this yet on, on a basis of, like, some of the guys out there, like, on the road, like, um, you know, the guys, let's say you, uh, you're on raw, so you have to, you know, fly out, uh, Thursday and wrestle Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then again, Monday, 
you know, I haven't been on, I haven't experienced a schedule like that yet. So I'm sure, uh, my, my soreness days, you know, I haven't even seen, uh, the really severe ones yet. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's wrestling, man. So there's definitely a, a certain level of soreness that everybody's body's different. Everybody absorbs things, uh, different. Um, I'm pretty active as far as going to the gym every day. Uh, usually I, I don't even feel, you know, my, my day doesn't even feel normal unless I can get in there and I try to get in there as early as I can. Um, you know, lots of stretching helps me out and it helps a lot of other guys out. I know, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just very physical, man. So it, it, there's always a certain level that's going to be there, but everybody's different. Well, what is it about that that stretching? I, I know the stretching, and I know a lot of the guys do yoga and stuff like that. But I, I've heard that from athletes in other disciplines as well. Uh, the uh, most famous example I can think of is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was a real big proponent of stretching, and he played for what about twenty twenty five years. Yeah, yeah it's just uh, it's, it's just I, I feel it's necessary for the muscles. You know. Uh, the more active you are, the more, the more you, the more you should stretch. Um, you know, I, I <clears throat> just recently over the last couple of years, uh, I've been big on the foam roller too. Uh, you know, I, I get on that thing and I hear crack, 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 <laughs> uh, all over the place, but, uh, <clears throat> it's all good stuff. You know, it's, I, I kind of, um, picked that up, believe it or not, uh, before wrestling, <clears throat> that was, um, uh, I used to study uh, Taekwondo martial arts. I think I joined that when I was like six or seven years old. And um, that's when I really learned, believe it or not, the importance of athleticism. And uh, back then I was able to do like full splits and stuff like that. And, you know, oh, wow. the, the karate instructors were pretty big on always keeping us loose and, and always, um, and always, you know, being big on stretching. So, I think it's just something that I've uh, just carried over from there. Well, I know we're definitely not rooting for you to be sore, but we certainly hope to see you more active and, you know, hopefully get back in WWE and, and are a little there a little more full time so we can see you more often. And, you know, you can experience that wonderful soreness that goes along with everybody else. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, he's a badass man. I'm not buying that shit for one minute. This man is a legitimate badass. Because if that was you or that was me, DP, we'd be whining and crying like a little bitch every day of our lives. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> Don't let that man fool you, man. He's just a badass. <laughs> I couldn't survive a 60 hour boot or 60 minute boot camp at the gym. So there's no way I could survive a day in wrestling. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Dude, I was cooped up on an hour and 30 minute flight and was crying like a little bitch. So I'm not. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk a little bit about what you got coming up which is actually on my birthday just so you know april 29th oh nice you got the samoan dynasty family reunion coming up in southern california yeah i'm really excited about this one this is uh this is uh pretty much rikishi and uh reno the black pearl this is their doing um they are Knox Pro uh, down there in Southern California. And uh, this is big. Um, the event is called Wrestle Fair. Um, I believe, it, I believe it, it might be an annual uh, event at this point. Um, but it's going to be the first time where 
with the exception of my uncle, he can't make it this year. Uh, it's pretty much the entire um, Samoan dynasty, um, you know, including Sika, um, Samu, uh, you know, Rikishi, of course, uh, Afa Jr., uh, you got Lance in there. You got Jacob Fatu. Um, you know the list goes on. Did and, I see Rocky Johnson you know, on that as well? Rocky, yep, Soul Man, Rocky Johnson. Okay. Um, you know it's we're we're all going to be in there, and uh, it's the first time of you know numbers wise where we we've all been able to do that. You know scheduling wise and stuff like that. So. It's also my my first time in the area. Uh, I've been to California before, but never Southern Cal. So, really looking forward to that. Um, that's uh, that's on April 29th, by the way. Um, you can go to uh, the Knox anything Knox Pro uh, Instagram, Twitter for all the ticket information, or you can just go to you know to all all of my stuff. I'm constantly sharing and uh, and retweeting uh, everything about the event. Uh, it's going to be big, and it's going to be April 29th. Well, get, uh, get, so look out for that. That's Southern California. Get your stuff out there, too. Where where can they find you if they're looking for it? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at uh, Savatkick. And uh, you can type you can type in Sean Maluda if you want to hit me up on Facebook. Uh, I'm also, uh, you know, the Wild Samoan Training Center. Uh, type in WSWrestlingSchool.com. Uh, you know, if you ever have any aspirations uh, to enter the crazy world of wrestling, um, my uncle Alpha has a pretty damn good resume and uh, is one of the best in the world at what he does. And um, and maybe you can see me there uh, helping out too. So uh, that's the Wild Samoan Training Center. Uh, we have locations right outside of Orlando uh, in a town called Mineola, Florida. And we also... Uh, Samu is open up shop uh, in, in, over there in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and uh, you can also catch me at WXW um, April 21st. Um, hopefully, they're not going to be mad at me because I'm not uh, technically advertised yet. But uh, April 21st, uh, it's going down, and um, that's going to be myself, Alpha Junior. Uh, we're actually tag teaming now. And, uh, you know, we're going to get down and uh, we're the next tag team representing the Samoan dynasty. Um, so that's pretty nice. cool. We're doing that. Uh, and that's also in Mineola, Florida. Uh, hit up WXW Wrestling on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook uh, for all that info. Before you get away from the the Wrestle Fair, there's one other thing I did want to ask about because it does say that it's from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m.? Is that is that right? It's a full full day. Yeah. Is yeah, that just for the entire um, fair? What 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 all goes on for a full day with you guys? Uh man, it's, it's going to be a party, man. What you talking about? <laughs> no, <it's gonna laughs> nice. Be, uh, it, it, I can't imagine that show. party. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. It's a lot a lot of Samoans in one area. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, it, might, it might get dangerous. Um, but it's also going to be a good time too. That's guaranteed. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's supposed to be an all-day event. Uh, I, I believe it's outside, and uh, hopefully the weather's nice. And uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of autographs. I think there's a lot of, a lot of games and uh, and things like that, and rides maybe surrounding the area. Um, it's going to be all new to me too. But 
you know, I just uh, pretty much know all, all the wrestling stuff going down there. But I will definitely be be there bright and early, 9 a.m., so you can come catch me over there. And uh, like I said, man, it's going to be a great time. Nice. So so when do we get to see Afa Jr. and Sean Maluda versus the Usos in, in a ridiculous tag team match? Ooh, How man. does that happen? Oh, How you're, coming that happen? Out hot, you're coming out hot already with that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> how do we make that happen uh, hey maybe one day man you know <laughs> shout out to the usos man they're really doing the thing right now you know ever since they they moved to smackdown and uh you know really got their shine on with, with the tag titles uh they're really they're really rep, repping the family pretty pretty hard and pretty good right now and um you know but me and alpha you know we're coming too and uh we have a lot to prove and um I'm looking forward to tag team with him because uh, I mentioned before we had that little run in 2008-2009 and uh, me and him, we, we have a similar mindset and we have some pretty good chemistry in the ring. Uh, so we're looking to uh, to go full board and, uh, you know, really uh, really surprise a lot of people with this thing. Yeah, definitely don't count yourself out there because you had a killer match with Cru in the Cruiserweight Classic, and you know everything I've seen from you has been amazing. So I'm looking forward to if you guys stay as a tag team or however that's going to work out. You guys, uh, you're in for some bigger and better things coming forward too. So I'm I'm certainly looking forward to it. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate you guys. And Sean, we appreciate you, brother. And before we let you go, again, April 29th, you better have your face in the place. But I, I was doing my crackpot research, which basically means just Twitter stalking you. And uh, <laughs> one comment that you made a few days ago, man, I just wanted to second that. Whomever has that secret Wu-Tang Clan album, please, please, pretty please with sugar <laughs> on top, please release it. We need that, man. We need that. Come on, man. Hook us up. You know, please, whoever it's has not it, gonna, please. it's not going to do any good in one person's possession. You know, we need no, that. No. And and it was and, and it was recorded back in the day, man. It's, come on. So, yeah, somebody has I, to put I, that I, out. Please do, because I was mad when the when the asshole got it, man, because he was just he was just a smarmy melon farmer, man. And now he's going to jail. And I know, you know, he had to auction off some of his assets and whatnot. So. Please, 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 do us all a favor, please. Please, please. You Hook heard your the boys man. up. Come on, hook a noose up. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sean, we'll we'll let you get going. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for the time. For one, uh, it was absolutely amazing. Hey, um, anytime, man. Appreciate you guys having me on again. You guys take care. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head.